Welcome. This is our, we're in the fourth Sunday of Lent right now, and we have been working with the theme of surrender. Um, this whole, oh, this whole time. And we're going to continue with that today. But as we get started, um, we are going to speak together um, the blessing that Jesus received at his baptism. So I'm going to ask us to do that all together. So let's say it out. You are my child, beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Now turn it and look at a neighbor. You are my child, beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And one more time. You are my child, beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Thank you. Um, so we are working again in uh, Luke. Um, we're working again in Luke with the temptations of Jesus. Um, uh, these are some guiding questions that I had as I went through. We may, we may work with them, we may not. Um, but I wanted to start out with a little story this morning. A few years ago, um, it was raining, so it had to have been a winter. Um, I was driving behind an SUV, uh, and I encountered a bumper sticker that looked like this. And it was um, clearly a woman driving the SUV. And, and it struck me, um, I wondered, I thought, like, what would it be like to walk in life believing this? To feel this way? and to understand it at a gut level, at a core level, that, um, that I was blessed, that we are all blessed and highly favored. Um, I wondered, what would be different in my life if I believed it? Um, and this, this sparked for me when I was looking over the Luke 3 and Luke 4 passage, because right before Jesus is tempted, um, before he's led out into the desert by the Holy Spirit, uh, he was baptized and he was blessed. Um, so we're going to start today with uh, the baptism blessing because I think that context matters. I think it mattered for Jesus and I think it matters for us, maybe. Um, so we're going to read this to remind ourselves what what happened. Now when, Je now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, saying, you are my, you are my son, the beloved. With you I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit blesses Jesus and names him rightly. He names him as enfolded in loving relationship with God, my son, beloved, surrounded by the pleasure of God, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus' dignity is based on his relationship with God as a child of God. His place in the family is assured. His identity is grounded in being loved by God. There is no indication as to why 
He is just held in esteem. He is loved, just like we love our children. Um, Jesus' favored status is given as one who pleases God. And there's no indication as to why or the cause for this favor, only that God is pleased with Jesus before he starts his public ministry, before uh, he calls the disciples. God takes pleasure in Jesus. It seems to me that Jesus' baptism and the blessing given to him by the Spirit of God empowered Jesus for what was to come, uh, for the time of temptation in the wilderness. Jesus didn't wander in the wilderness for 40 days because he was lost. He was led there. And he was not lost in the way that we often find ourselves lost. Um, Not believing, not feeling, not knowing in our core that we too are beloved children of God in whom God takes pleasure, who God's pleased with. The blessing at Jesus' baptism mattered. I imagine he believed, felt, and knew himself to be blessed and highly favored. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in some way prepared by that blessing. Um, He was plagued for 40 days. Missy brought up um, in conversation a little while ago that we only know about three of the named temptations, but that he was plagued for 40 days. Um, And the texts say uh, that he didn't eat during those 40 days. He was famished. He was hungry. In our house, we would call that hangry. Um, This word I was really struck, this week I was really struck by the word hunger. And so that's um, what we're working with a bit this morning. Um, Jesus was physically hungry, obviously, which is no small thing. He was physically tired, emotionally spent depleted, without resources, hungry. It also struck me this week that each of the temptations that Jesus, that the three temptations of Jesus were directed toward Jesus uniquely, and that they also reflect human hungers common to us, to our lives. The first temptation, we remember, um, was the invitation to turn stone into a loaf of bread. Um, It awakens the human hunger to do something, to take action. I mean, this one plays on Jesus' physical hunger, like take action, take care of the need right now. You don't have to wait. Um, it, It was interesting to me that creating bread might not have been such a horrible thing because Jesus does, in fact, multiply loaves and fishes not in the not-too-distant future. Um, but even so, it was a temptation because turning a stone into bread would have been done in the service of proving something, proving his dignity to someone who had no right to ask and who was not the judge, who could neither grant nor take away his status as a son of God, as a child of God. The second temptation seemed to me to awaken a different human hunger, and this one might be a stretch. Um, It is more the human hunger for security. Um, The devil offers Jesus the glory and authority of the kingdoms of the world, the stuff of security, of position, if Jesus would offer worship. The devil was offering an exchange, and maybe he had a right to, 
to offer that. I don't know. Um, but he was offering a trade to choose the symbols of security instead of right relationship with God. Um, there's not a prove it in this temptation, just the human temptation to seek signs of God's favor, um, to wring meaning out of the stuff of our lives, the abundance or the lack of it, attributing it to either God's favor or God's disapproval, rather than resting in the assurances that we've been given, that God is pleased with us. The third temptation is the text for today. Um, actually, could I have two voices? Somebody want to volunteer to be the devil? Yeah. Thank you, Peter. And Jesus. <laughs> Trisha, would you be Jesus? Okay. Peter. They're going to read together. Okay. Oh, I'll narrate. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Thank you. The devil is playing God in each of these three temptations, setting himself up to be the judge of whether or not Jesus is the blessed and highly favored child of God. Um, so as we look at this text, what hunger might Jesus be playing on here? Or not Jesus, the devil, be playing on here. What's the devil calling into question? It's not rhetorical. Say it again. Safety. Safety. Mm -hmm. Identity. Identity. Mm -hmm. Power. Power. To prove that he's loved, that he's special. What action is Jesus being invited to take? Yeah, put on a show. Yep. I was talking with Abby yesterday, and she said, yeah, test the whole angel theory. The angels will catch him, and he'll not stub his toe. Test out that theory. Um, and this one's a life and death one. Loaves of fishes, small thing. Um, worship, bowing down, all big things, but they seem to, the temptations seem to get progressively more dramatic. Um, subtext here seems to me that the devil's insinuating if God really loves you, he won't let you be harmed. What does Jesus give up in this moment? Yes, he gives up the chance to prove the devil wrong. Thank you, Sydney. Yeah. He gives up the chance to prove anything, to prove that God loves him. He gives up the chance, uh, the need to be right, right? To prove him right in someone else's eyes doesn't really have a, a right to call it in question. 
can't do anything about it. Um, what does he surrender to in this moment? The word of God. Trust, trusting in what he's heard when he's vulnerable and tired and depleted and hungry. Seems to give up his own protection, right? His own life. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of God protects him however he wants to, if he wants to. Right. Yeah. In that image, definitely. Yeah. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Anything else? Okay. I woke up in the middle of the night, because that's what I do sometimes. Um, and in the middle of the night, in the, this morning, this morning at whatever time it was, um, it occurred to me that... Uh, Jesus didn't take a a leap of faith here, right? This was supposed to be like a leap of faith and trust and see whether or not God's going to do what he said in the Psalm 91. Well, God, are you that person? Prove it. Um, And he doesn't take that leap of faith. Um, But he does later. This is what I woke up thinking about. He does later take a leap of faith, trusting his body to God on the cross. And great harm is done to him. Um, The lack of physical protection of Jesus' bodies was not a sign that God didn't love Jesus, doesn't love Jesus, that he was not Jesus' beloved. The harm was just a a foil, something something different, um, a temptation. I want to suggest that the temptations that Jesus faced were not unlike the ones that we face. We are tempted to do something uh, when sometimes we may need to wait and wait and trust um, with no assurance of outcome. Um, We're tempted to judge the security or lack of security or the circumstances in our lives or to look at those and try to ascertain, to try to figure out whether um, this is an indication of God's favor or God's displeasure with us. We look to the signs rather than trusting in what has been spoken. Um, we're tempted to put God to the test. If God really loved me, then I wouldn't have depression, or I would not be harmed, or God would take my problems away, or I wouldn't have, or I would have. Um, we can all fill in the blanks. Um, Chris Hertz, in his book, The Sacred Enneagram, identifies three temptations, identifies the three temptations of Jesus as the ones which we're really familiar. Um, We're tempted to believe that what we do is who we are. We are what we do. Um, We are what we have. We are what others say we are. Um, We need to make bread, choose security, or prove our worth. Jesus didn't get lost in the wilderness. 
He didn't get lost in these human temptations. He'd been blessed by the Holy Spirit. He knew who he was. And he was sustained by the Spirit of God. I want to suggest that he surrendered and let go of the need to prove anything to someone who could not grant or take away what he'd been given. Um, this is our situation, too. We have dignity because we are children of God. We are beloved, deeply loved by God. And we live in favor. We live in the favor of a loving God. The Spirit of God says to each of us, you are my child, beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. We've been talking in um, Lent about bodily practices. Um, and the bodily practice that I want to offer today is simply the blessing. Um, is the blessing that we read. Um, Jesus' baptism blessing adapted for us that tells us, lets us know that we are children of God, beloved by God, in whom God takes pleasure. Um, and that's, that's the ground, that's, that's a solid space that we can walk in life. So... I'm just going to finish with this little bit here. Is that when I was looking at the passage, um, I wondered what it is that we hunger for. And I, I think we hunger to feel, to believe, and to know in our core that we are beloved children of God who are pleasing to God. And that if we walk into our days with that assurance and that known at a deep level, our, our lives will look different. I know mine looks different when I'm settled in this, um, and that's a day-by-day, sometimes moment-by-moment thing. Um, I think we may need to do some surrendering, letting go of the desire for signs and wonders. And by that I mean, like, looking at our lives to try and tell. Like, um, David had a friend who used to talk about uh, relationships. Like, a relationship would start and get growing, but then she would dig it up and look at the roots to see whether or not it, what was going on. But that kind of destroyed, destroyed things, and she was self-deprecating talking about that. But I feel like some of, some of the times, we, instead of looking to God, what we do is we look at, at the circumstances, we look at how we feel, um, we look at a lot of different things around us to give us the information, to, to give us assurance or information that we already have, or we need to receive the assurance from God rather than trying to wring meaning out of what we see around us in our lives. I think we need to decide to surrender the power to prove it to ourselves. We don't need to hustle for our worth, as Brene Brown said. We need to let go of the need to prove it, the need to be right, um, to prove to ourselves or others that we're beloved of God and rest in what God has done and what God has spoken. Um, and for today, I want to encourage us to rest in Jesus' baptism blessing, to try it on for a size. Um, heard one, I heard one uh, speaker talk about taking that 
baptism blessing as his practice for 40 days. To like steep in Jesus, baptism blessing as if it was his own. To see what that practice would do for him. So, today, um, if you would like to uh, do a physical practice, we have a number, a number to participate in. But I'd also invite you, if you would like to hear the Jesus words or the Jesus baptism blessing spoken over you, we're going to have anointers um, too today. And they, they have the little strips of paper that are on, on, the, on their seats, the little gold ones. And if you'd like to be anointed with oil and hear those words for yourself, received for yourself, I'd encourage you to do that if that sounds like something that um, you'd like to do. Because I think sometimes we need to hear the words addressed to us with our names to be spoken over, to be blessed in order to know who we are. Let's say it one more time together. You are my child, beloved. With you, I am well.